Welcome to SBNM is Here, the State Bar of New Mexico's official podcast. In this series, we'll discuss topics such as professional development, tools of the legal trade, and mental and professional well-being. Connecting the legal community across New Mexico, SBNM is here. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to SBNM is Here. My name is Morgan Pettit, and I'm the Member Services Manager, and I'm really excited for this episode. It's a bonus project, if you will, of one of the State Bar and the Supreme Court of New Mexico's recent initiatives. So we hope that the content today expands your interest about the program and for all of you in our community. So this episode will focus primarily on judicial clerkships, regardless of where you are in your career, uh, say a recent graduate or you're well-established in your practice. Listen in as our speakers share the importance of the judicial clerkships and how our respective institutions in the state are contributing to the cause. Our speakers today will be Justice David Thompson of the Supreme Court of New Mexico, Rosanna Toya, who is a current New Mexico Court of Appeals clerk, and Allison Block-Chavez of the Young Lawyers Division. Allison, feel free to take it away. Thanks, Morgan. Welcome to the SBNM is Here podcast. I'm Allison Block-Chavez, the chair of the Young Lawyers Division. Today's podcast is part of the State Bar's Judicial Clerkship Program. We're going to talk about how law students can prepare themselves for postgraduate judicial clerkships. And we're going to talk a bit about the State Bar's Judicial Clerkship Program. With me today is New Mexico Supreme Court Justice David K. Thompson. Welcome, Justice Thompson. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for having me. In addition to being a New Mexico Supreme Court Justice, Justice Thompson is active with the ABA's Judicial Division and the ABA's Judicial Clerkship Program. Also with us today is Rosanna Toya, who is currently serving as the Judicial Law Clerk to Judge Shamara Henderson of the New Mexico Court of Appeals. Welcome, Rosanna. Thank you, Allison. Rosanna has previously served as the judicial clerk for Judge Monica Zamora of the New Mexico Court of Appeals. She also participated in the ABA Judicial Clerkship Program, which the State Bars Program is modeled after. We're we're going to start today by talking about a postgraduate judicial clerkship, what that is, and then talk about the ABA and the State Bars Judicial Clerkship Program. So let's start by talking about what exactly is a postgraduate judicial clerkship versus a summer externship. Justice Thompson, can you tell us what the difference is? Yes, thank you, Allison. And and I want to thank the State Bar in New Mexico for putting on this program and Rosanna for joining us today. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about um, the background of the program later. But your question. Um, as simple as it is, raises an important point uh, about why um, we thought this program important. And it is to uh, make sure everybody understands not only um, the opportunities for a judicial clerkship, um, but more important, the opportunities for uh, lawyers and students, law students, to have exposure to uh, judicial chambers to understand what the judiciary does in hopes both of advancing their uh, career professionally and in hopes, hopefully, of creating interest in a career in the judiciary and thus creating um, 
the needed uh, diversity in the judiciary that we all acknowledge is an important goal. So the first question, what is a judicial clerkship? Um, a judicial clerkship is a full-time position um, after you graduate from law school, usually, um, and it's one to two years. Now, it doesn't have to be after you graduate from law school. We do accept clerks sometimes practice for a while or in transition, and they maybe want to go back to um, you know, this area of law, and they want to improve their writing. And, and sometimes we'll get applicants from um, after they've graduated. Um, but normally it is right out of law school. And you normally work uh, for, uh, at the state level, an appellate court. So that would be in New Mexico with the Court of Appeals or the New Mexico Supreme Court. At the federal level, um, you can work for the trial court judges, which are called Article III judges. Um, they're appellate courts, the Court of Appeals, um, and of course, the United States Supreme Court. Now, one important consideration we tell the students is th those are not your only opportunities. There are a number of courts that accept clerkships. There are international courts, courts of trade, specialty federal courts that have clerkships. So often um, students may think, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get a clerkship with my state appellate courts or a federal court. Um, therefore, I'm not going to apply it. And uh, um, that's not necessarily true. I, I urge them to explore all um, specialty courts and federal courts to explore what clerkship opportunities they have. You work directly with, um, and I'll describe it in the context of our state appellate courts, but you work directly with the um, judge or justice. And um, that is important because it is a very small team. In my chambers, it's two law clerks and myself and a paralegal. Uh, and as we talk about sort of the curriculum for the program, it, it's important for these students to understand uh, one of the important um, uh, qualifications and criteria is they're able to work in a small group, they're able to work collaboratively, and they're able to show the maturity and professionalism um, that is required uh, of, uh, of the judiciary. You generally help that judge or justice form and draft opinions, and that can be in a number of different ways. Some judge or justices have asked for memorandums on a particular legal issue. Other judges or justices are, uh, would have you draft an opinion. Um, it may not simply just be a dispositive opinion. It may be, in our case, um, reviewing expedited appeals or or, or writs of certiorari, um, but it would be working directly with the court and other uh, um, law clerks. An externship is um, the same position, but with a law student. And generally, the difference between externships and internships, quite frankly, is one is paid. Um, as a matter of qualifications or what you learn, there's not a huge difference. So a student can either be paid or they may receive a credit through their law school. Uh, but really, the goal of an externship is similar to that of a clerkship. 
which is you work closely with the judge or justice uh, in developing um, uh, and assisting them in their opinions and orders. But while we're focusing on our program and the importance of externships is it is your introduction to that judge or justice. So if you have questions about what it's like to be a clerk, you don't know the answer to number one, for example, what does a clerk do? Well, you can be an extern and you can find out. And you can do it over a summer or a couple of months or a semester. In my case, I have an extern that's working remotely. And they can learn whether that is something they're interested in in the long term. And at the same time, it allows them some professional development, working on writing samples, improving their writing, improving their collaboration. So that's the main difference between um, those two, Allison. Thank you for the question. Thanks. So I'm sure students also wonder about how to get, how they can obtain these clerkships or even the externships. So Rosanna, you're currently a, a judicial clerk. Can you tell us about um, how to apply for clerkships and what the interview process was like? Sure. So I started applying my second year of law school, specifically actually the summer of my second year of law school. There's different ways that students can apply for clerkships. One is through the Oscar system, which is primarily for federal clerkships. But in state court clerkships, it's a little bit different um, because not all of the clerkships are posted in Oscar. So it's a matter of um, checking the state court websites, the, either the Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court, um, or being in touch with the career services office at your law school um, to be aware of postings that may become available for clerkships. And so for me, what I did was, um, based on my prior work experience, I started contacting judges that I may have known from my prior work experience. So I sat on different um, boards, for example, the Tribal State Judicial Consortium. And so I started by applying to um, Supreme Court judges. Um, and to be honest, I had to be told no many times before I actually did get a clerkship. And so, you know, it's just a matter of being persistent. And really, if, if it's something that you have your heart set on, um, or understand or see the value in clerking to be persistent, because they really are competitive positions. Um, and so, um, I applied all through um, the summer of 2L to several judges. I applied through the three out, my 3L year, and I actually didn't get offered a clerkship until right before graduation of my 3L year. So in April is when I was offered my clerkship by the first judge, Judge Monica Zamora with the State Court of Appeals. And what materials are you usually submitting to the judges? So it's usually a cover letter specifically to the chambers that you're applying for, um, a resume and a writing sample. Um, and all things that should be very well revised and edited and carefully screened for any errors that, that might exist. A lot of judges, in my experience, um, doing even like the ABA judicial clerkship program have talked about 
the, the, the positions are so competitive that even the smallest typo on your cover letter, letter will automatically get your application kicked out of the pile because there's just such a need for that attention to detail and precision in your writing and and just really putting forward your best professional front when you apply with your cover letter resume writing sample. Great, thanks for explaining that. So for many, many students, they just don't even know about judicial clerkships or realize that you have to prepare yourself early on in law school um, to even have a chance. So Justice Thompson, can you tell us what qualifications and skills you're looking for when selecting a clerk? Thank you, Allison. And and um, let me touch on, on the premise of the question, which again is goes to the heart of why I wanted to start the the program at the state level. Uh, I have a um, currently I have a third year law student. Uh, serving as an extern who has been excellent. And she's from uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. She's in law school out of state. Um, she is Latinx and she and I meet once a week. And one of the questions she had for me, I think I'd met with her three or four times. And I finally said, well, have you applied for a clerkship anywhere? And she said, I, I, I don't know anything about them. I, I don't I don't know what you do. I don't know how to apply. Um, and by the way, um, I have these student loans, and I think I need to go out to private practice um, in order to um, deal with this mounting debt I have coming out of of law school. so you you, you need and judges need the constant reminder and the judiciary needs a constant reminder that there's a lot of people out there that just don't know this information. It's not the fact that they're not qualified. It's a matter that they they need the same opportunity. Um, so uh, we are developing a curriculum that goes to your question directly, which is uh, what do we look for for qualifications and skills? And um, I think Allison and Sana, you, you are equally qualified probably to answer this question because uh, you can you can tell the students listening um, what is helpful to be a clerk because you are and were a clerk. Um, but what I look for uh, is uh, research, uh, writing, analytical skills. Uh, more and more, I've looked for uh, a commitment to the rigor of a job. Um, you know, when you're when you are looking at, as Rosanna talked about, we get a flood of of resumes. It's a stack of resumes, and a lot of them are right out of law school. And one of my first questions always is, is, okay, do you work like you are a lawyer, or do you work like it's a job? And what if you can express on your resume your ability? Um, and your experience in handling that discipline, it means a lot. Uh, what about writing? Well, I have to be on law review. I'll never be a law clerk if I'm on law review. That's absolutely not true. And that's one of those barriers where a lot of students just 
cash out of the system entirely before they even enter. And it's just not true. You can, one of the great things about the externship program is if you, if you do it with a judge or justice, tell them, I want a writing sample by the time, I really want to work on a writing sample by the time I'm done here. Because I can look at, if I'm interviewing a clerk, I can look at a um, first year law writing class uh, essay. And those all look the same because they're taught a certain way with a certain rhythm and a certain form. It's, it's not helpful to me. They can give me a law review article, but I also know that was a collaborative effort and it was teched and turned over a hundred times. Um, and so the fact you're on law review or you hand me a law review article isn't going to be necessarily, um, it's helpful, but there's other ways to do it. Have your own writing sample. Uh, uh, go to a professor and ask for a, a, a research project. Professors are looking for them all the time. It doesn't have to be um, broad and expanding. It can be discreet. Um, we're not looking for uh, some 100-page tome on an obscure question of constitutional law. We're looking at your ability to um, look at, interpret, and digest a discrete area of law. And, and uh, if you can express that through your writing sample, um, I think you're much uh, better off. Finally, there, I think another barrier to application is students, and especially minority and disadvantaged students, say, uh, look, I don't have the, the traditional bona fides of a law clerk. Did I go to this law school? Did I graduate in this percentage? Um, is my background this? And don't worry about that. You have a story, uh, and it goes back to my first point, which is this is a small group of people. It's five of us. I look for people that are interesting, that collaborate, um, that have an intellectual curiosity. Uh, and I think a lot of judges do that. So tell your story, but um, you need to be prepared to do it. So as I was saying, you have to have that resume in a way. And one of the things we teach in our curriculum is, what does your resume look like? I see all the time looking at these students' resumes. Some of their most interesting stuff is in their hobbies or something they did prior to law school. Now, does it inform their qualifications? Probably not, but it informs our story where they came from, what they worked on, what they're interested in. Uh, and I tell them, you know, move that up. So when you're dealing with someone that is looking at 50 resumes, something stands out. I want to pull this one out for some reason. And I want to meet this person. Um, and I look for that as well. Uh, and so that is, you know, I'd like to know your thoughts having done it. If you were to advise a court um, and other applicants, what you know they should work on in preparation for this sort of job. I think Justice Thompson, you gave some good points that it's not just about law review, which a lot of students think it is. I had a good friend in law school who 
ended up doing um, you know, some kind of amicus brief that was for the United States Supreme Court. And so that gave her some writing experience and allowed her to submit a really interesting um, writing sample and also add some dynamic to her law school experience. So um, Rosanna, what were some of the things that you did to differentiate yourself in the application process and prepare yourself? Well, I, I really am appreciative to hear Justice Thompson talk about really valuing things that might not seem like the most important professional criteria. That's, I just, I, I appreciate that so much. Um, and so for me, Allison, I didn't have top, top of the class grades and I didn't feel competitive from a GPA standpoint to apply to clerkships. Um, but I did know, I do know that I had solid work experience that would bring value to a clerkship position if I was to be selected. And so um, I just had to really keep, keep believing in that and keep pushing that forward because, um, you know, it's easy to stop the first time you're told no. And it's easy to, you know, in, in, in all the second guessing that, that I know I do of myself um, and as far as not having the um, academic standing and so forth to just um, eliminate myself. Um, but in, in terms of preparing, the, the thing that I could do the best was really take the advice and the guidance mentorship of folks at the career services um, department who really helped me craft a very, and, and as well as the judges at the ABA judicial clerkship program, because a lot of what they did was review our resumes, review our cover letters. Um, like I said, really just help put that best foot forward. Um, the first impression that you're going to give to a judge or chambers that you're applying for is so important. And so I, I took the time to have those documents reviewed. Um, in terms of my writing sample, I did use my 1L um, written work that I um, did for class, but I worked with a former judge from the State Court of Appeals who was kind enough. Actually, she volunteered with the law school career um, services department to review writing samples. And so I met with her to go over my writing sample thoroughly and really just um, clean it up to the extent possible. And so I think that helped a lot, too, um, just to really help me feel confident in putting putting forward the best quality of materials that I could put forward. Let me, Allison, let me add something else because she's being too modest. Here's another thing she did because when she started, Seta started with a court of appeals judge um, and then now working for a different judge. What she did was she took, she took advantage of the opportunity she, she had originally because on the Supreme Court, I get to read what the court of appeals writes for good or for bad, right? And it's a lot. So I know what was coming up from that chambers when she was there. And when she and I talked about going to another place to work when that judge retired, I knew she could write, right? So when I saw what came out of those chambers, it wasn't her, I could see her writing. And so I tell the students, it's the same thing. Even as an extern, you have to take advantage of the opportunities you're given. That it's not, you know, 
whether it's talking to a professor or an externship or um, a public interest law group you're working for, everything you do reflects on what you do later. And I think her job now has a lot to do with how careful she was when she was first given that opportunity. Thank you, Justice Thompson. I really appreciate that. I think a similar point on that, Justice Thompson, is in New Mexico, we have a very small bar and they tell you on the first day of law school that your reputation's gonna follow you. And so I know in my experience, when I was applying for judicial clerkships, um, you know, I listed some of the classes that I had or the judges saw my transcripts. I know that the judge that I worked for called one of my professors who he knew from law practice and asked, you know, is she worth the hire or not? And so having built those relationships and done well in law school and, um, you know, worked hard, that was another avenue for the judge to to be more comfortable about committing to, to a certain clerk. Okay, so let's, so that was a lot about kind of preparing and getting ready for the clerkship. Let's kind let's shift to what um, the ABA judicial clerkship program is and what the state bar program is. So as Justice Thompson, you've mentioned that a lot of students just don't know about the different opportunities that there are in, in the judiciary. And so um, I think both of these programs are meant to remedy that. So can you tell us about the state bar's judicial clerkship program and the ABA program that the state bar program is modeled after? Sure, uh, thank you, Allison. So, um... And, and we have uh, two people on our committee, I think at least two, that had participated in both. And, and when I first started as a trial court judge, I joined the ABA. And one of my first meetings, ABA meetings, I really happened in on the minority clerkship program that they run there. Um, they had asked me to sign up. They were looking for judges um, to serve as sort of mentors. And um, I happened upon it. And it is um, a great program, but it's also very limited. So it's usually at, I think, the mid-year meeting. Um, and it's one or two days. And it's a very compressed uh, program where law students usually that are close to where the ABA is having their uh, conference come in, meet, judge and justices sit down with them they go through a, a sort of a mock writing sample we look at we have conversations about clerkships there's a couple two panels um and i know the university of new mexico participates in it they were i think had the foresight to send students there uh which made a lot of sense um and I was just really impressed with it. It, it first of all, is very awakening and in, in the, my first understanding that these students really don't know and, and they're not prepared. They're, they're not prepared on the basic levels with regard to not their own fault. You know, they just need the assistance for people to um, go through some of the basic things like 
what my resume should look like. Uh, make sure there's no typos on my uh, on my writing sample. When I'm interviewing with a judge or justice, take some time to learn about that person so you have uh, uh, an, an individual connection and you're trying to distinguish yourself from the other 50 people. Uh, and so I was very, and so since then, I, I every opportunity I could, I would participate in the ABA program. Um, and then I had, uh, I brought in my, when I came to Supreme Court, I, I brought in an extern from Georgetown, a very bright young man who told me two things. He said, um, interestingly enough, Justice, the um, student group of the ACLU at Georgetown is mostly Anglo. I said, well, why is that? He said, well, because all the other students like him and others are trying to pay off their student loans and they can't they can't take opportunities for example with a government agency like mine with an internship and not be paid they may be interested in it but they can't afford it um and so i thought that was really interesting and then uh i i looked around at the pool of applicants I was getting every year um, for clerkships. And at the same time, I was starting to sit on nominating commissions for our trial courts. And I started to think about, well, how do we improve the quality and the diversity of students that are applying? And how do we improve the quality and diversity of the judges that are applying? And um, at the same time, sort of, understanding that the ABA program is nice, but it's it's limited in what it can do. And if we can set up a structured curriculum for, and, and let me say this, it is the last thing I want it to be is um, a matter of jurisdiction. It's not a New Mexico program. This next class we have, we have two students from Arizona. It should we have students from Denver, Colorado. I had a student from Ohio. It's about um, giving opportunity. And so based on the ABA program, I uh, asked Allison to volunteer, as we all do, <laughs> and um, the diversity committee would say, look, here's the idea I have. How would we execute on it? And um, luckily, the State Bar is a wonderful group of um, mostly young attorneys that are committed to improving the bar, and, and Allison and others um, carried this forward under a structure. They had a similar structure, uh, Arturo Jaramillo program, which does the same sort of things but places these students with um, private firms, and we borrowed that and we carried it over to the clerkship concept. So what does it do? It uh, it announces uh, an opportunity for law students to be placed um, as an extern with a judge or justice. Um, and as I told Allison, it's the same thing. We 
told my eight-year-old, um, you get who you get, you don't have a fit. It's not about being placed with a particular judge or justice. It's being put in the system and given the opportunity. Um, but it's given structure. So we also uh, have, we're planning five or six talking points, talking points, learning points, learning objectives um, that start with um, resume development to um, professional development to a basic understanding of what a clerkship is. Um, and the, the first panel we'll start with will be a panel of uh, a state appellate court judge, um, a federal um, judge, minority judge, court of appeal, federal court of appeals judge. So these students can um, understand it's not simply about New Mexico. Um, and then from there, we'll expand out their per professional development um, up to a point in which hopefully by the end of it, they have an understanding of what a clerkship is. They have a personal relationship with a judge or justice. They're more interested in being a law clerk and maybe they're more interested um, in being a judge. But here's another important component in it. That's how I started the story is it's very, I found it very difficult um, and I understand the difficulty in trying to attract students that are trying to pay off loans. And so we had to add some stipend, some ability at least, and it's not a whole lot, but it's enough um, to um, offset some of the costs um, and provide some stipend to these students so they can make the right decision, not based on finances, but based on what helps them the most professionally. And um, that's the work um, that the state bar has done. We're brand new uh, in this particular program. Um, different states have some version of it. I think this may be one of the first sort of um, structured uh, uh, program. Uh, we start this summer, hopefully we were gonna start um, but, but because of the COVID crisis, we couldn't. Um, and we had, uh, Allison will have to remind me of how many applicants, quite a few. Uh, and we had a short list of a really unbelievable group of students. And um, right now we've selected six based on the funding and hopefully we can expand that. And if the people out there could see the quality of students that are joining this program, uh, you would be really impressed. I mean, that is, uh, in my view, exhibit one. If you could see, and we will publish the list of the six we've been able to bring on board, um, that is the question and answer. And if nothing else happens with regard to this program and these six kid, uh, students can um, participate, that'll be satisfaction for me. So that is our uh, state program in a nutshell. I know, Allison, you've done a lot of work on it, and Rosanna, you too, so fill in some gaps if I if I left something out. So just to add, Justice Thompson, we're, we're really excited to do this program because our state bar is really um, committed to, to this program and has a history of commitment to diversity. Um, the state bar's Committee on Diversity is one of the, I guess, co-sponsors or leaders also the Young Lawyers Division, and of course the, the Supreme Court and the New Mexico Judiciary are contributing and participating under the leadership of Justice Thompson. 
Um, a little bit more on the, the curriculum and the goals for the program. So we are, because while the, um, the Young Lawyers Division is participating, we're hoping to, to match each program participant with a, a young lawyer mentor who has done a clerkship so that not only are they getting mentorship from the judge when they're having their day-to-day -day work experience, but also be able to have more of an informal relationship with someone who has already gone through that process um, in the last few years. Uh, part of the curriculum too is just as Thompson said, is a boot camp to help with resume and um, interview prep and you know looking at all of those job postings out there just so that it's not so daunting and that there's more of a support system to, to push that through. And, and as I said, this is based on the ABA program, and so it's our first year, so we're, we're hopeful and looking forward to it. But I'm hoping, Rosanna, you can tell us a bit about your experience going through the ABA program um, and how it's benefited you. Awesome. Great. Thanks. So first of all, I just want to say that I really congratulate and commend um, the YLD committee, the state bar, especially commend Justice Thompson for the commitment to bring this program back to New Mexico. It's, it's a huge opportunity and I'm so excited to see it here. Um, and just to kind of touch on a point that Justice Thompson made earlier, um, Actually, UNM does not, unfortunately, send students to the ABA um, Judicial Clerkship Program. And the reason and the way that I got to the ABA program was um, through the Pre-Law Summer Institute, which is hosted by the American Indian Law Center here at UNM. And on behalf of American Indian Law Center and PLSI um, and the Judicial Clerkship Committee, we're very grateful to ABA to extend that opportunity to um, the Native American students who come out of that program. Because uh, otherwise, I may not have had that opportunity um, through UNM directly to get to the Judicial Clerkship Program. So I think what New Mexico, Justice Thompson, YLD, State Bar is doing here is really filling a need that hasn't yet been met in New Mexico. And so I think that's huge and I'm really excited about it. Um, sorry, Allison, I think I forgot the question that you were asking. That's okay. I, I think if you could just share kind of the nuts and bolts of the ABA program and your experience and where you were placed for your ABA clerkship program. Okay, great. So. The ABA clerkship program is hosted in various states throughout the country, depending on where the annual ABA meeting is taking place, as I understand it, right, Justice Thompson, is that correct? Um, and so the, the year that I was able to participate, it was in Chicago, Illinois, and so I was given a an opportunity and all expenses paid trip to Chicago to attend this two-day program, um, which actually ended up being a really rigorous program because we were working from morning until night and sent home with assignments in the evening to work through before the next day's meeting. Um, and so, like Justice Thompson said, there were exercises that allowed us to practice our research, writing, analytical skills while we were there, and then work with judges on the second day to kind of go through how we 
how we performed in the exercise. And it was all a really condensed um, two days and activity, but it still really um, gave us a unique opportunity to get that feedback from judges. Um, in addition to the, the legal research writing exercise, there were multiple panels, like Justice Thompson said, of judges from throughout the country who were really committed to seeing diversity in clerkships and diversity on the bench. And so we heard from a lot of them as to why they felt us students participating or seeking judicial clerkships was really important. Um, is there anything else I'm missing? Justice, Justice Thompson and I actually met there and that was another great takeaway for me from the program um, because like I said before, had I not gone to Chicago for this program, I'm not sure if our paths would have crossed now as I'm a, an attorney, new attorney and law clerk in New Mexico. Um, so maybe he has other insights on the program that I'm forgetting right now. Oh, I was going to hit on the last point you touched on, which we probably wouldn't, which is awful, isn't it? I mean, it, you have to go to Chicago to... To, to find talent in New Mexico. But what she did was when I came back, when we met in Chicago, and I think I had business cards, I said, if you have questions, please reach out to me. Well, she did, <laughs> probably several times because um, <laughs> sometimes hard to get a hold of. And we met and uh, we talked about um, what she wants to do. I, and I, I knew her at that point. I knew her work at that point. I was able to, um, with credibility, talk about her qualifications. And uh, again, important component of this program is um, sort of to your point, Allison, with regard to whether you're getting a recommendation for a, a judge or justice or a professor, if you if you apply for a clerkship and you have a letter from a professor or a judge or a justice, but they can say something personal about you that they know your work, it's um, it's it's much greater advantage, I think, in reviewing these applications than a letter from a professor saying, uh, Allison Block Chavez is a great student, right? She shows up every day. But if she can say, look, we worked on this project together, everything was on time. It was all, um, her legal reasoning was great. Um, it didn't require a whole lot of edits. Those are two different things. And that's one of the advantages um, that comes out of this. And then there's the unintended, right? So uh, I, um, my 2021 clerk is a PLSI graduate from Taos. So I know now what, uh, what, uh, product they produce and um, I'm happy to announce that you know I'm hiring from that program specifically so there's there's a lot of good outcomes that can come of this that's great thank you Justice Thompson for acknowledging that so we're we're really excited to to get this program off off its um, off and running. And um, as Justice Thompson said, we've got six students right now and we're hoping hoping to get more funds for more and, and expand it as the years go by. But as we talked before, a part of the, the reason of 
creating this program is to increase diversity among judicial clerks. So Justice Thompson, why is hiring diverse students for clerkships so important? Um, there are a number of reasons. I think it's always important, um, as especially you see at the uh, appellate level, and this is something I learned and I hope this analogy comes off well. This is something I learned. I was a trial court judge, and then I sat on a court of five. And one of the struggles was, as a trial court judge, I was always, I was making the decision myself, right? Um, and I was very used to that. But I brought one perspective to it. Um, and I think I was right most of the time, but it was one perspective. So when you sit in a group of five, the interesting thing is, is how the analysis benefits from different perspectives, um, whether it's legal or background or where they practiced each judge or justice. And I think it's important with in, in a courthouse, like Supreme Court or the Court of Appeals, that you have that diversity of view and diversity of perspective. It's only a good thing. Um, now, when I was a law clerk, uh, my interest in becoming a judge started then uh, because I was able to see um, the role of the advocates and the role of the neutral of the judge. And it's not for everybody. So you can either rule it in or rule it out, right? There can be maybe a clerk that says, you know, being the neutral, my, my life is advocacy or it's not in the courtroom, but at least you know it. My hope is they'll rule it in and they'll say, um, being, a, being a judge, being in public service is something that's rewarding to me as a lifestyle because pay's not great, uh, but it's something I want to pursue. And so it, if we are going to be committed and the state bars as recently um, published a study both on a racial and gender diversity. If we're going to be committed to that, um, what are the practical means of getting there? And I think it's introducing uh, this career uh, to um, law students and law graduates. The other thing which was mentioned by um, uh, a, a colleague on the committee Denise Chanis, which is uh, a lot of it, a lot of time you spend with these students and applicants is building their confidence. They just, they feel they're such an impediment to either a clerkship or the judiciary that they don't, um, as We'll say in Santa Fe, put your nose in the fight, and that's why I tell them you got to put your nose in the fight. But they don't—they don't have the confidence to do it because there's so many external expressions or forces saying this is the way you do it. You don't have this; it's not going to happen. And that's the easiest way to break that barrier is to come in and do the work and see you can do it and produce good work. And understand, you know, look, I can do what Justice Thompson does, right? He's not, you know, um, I can be a judge. 
so that's why I think diversity overall is important um, in the judiciary, but I think this is how uh, both the judiciary and the clerkships, and this is how we start. Going back to that confidence issue and putting your nose in the fight, in New Mexico, because we're so small, a lot of times if you just show up or raise your hand to participate, you might be the only one. And so then you get that opportunity. And so sometimes just showing up, even if you're scared and don't don't know what to expect, um, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for you. So Rosanna, I, I'm curious to hear how going through that program um, has helped you and benefited you so far. You've, you're already in your second year clerking at the Court of Appeals. So, so tell us what what um, benefits you've um, you've been. Tell us about what benefits you've received from clerking in that program. So the benefits that I received were really the affirmation from judges at so many levels throughout so many different courts through the country that diversity is important and that it's worth it, it's worth my time and worth worth all of our worth worthwhile to um, just keep applying and to really um, set aside those self-doubts to just keep pushing forward and so that was a huge takeaway for me because it's what really helped to re-energize me to come back and not just take the first no and stop there, but to be persistent and um, really it, it showed me and they emphasize over and over at the ABA program the value of clerking and the how, how foundational it is to our future careers as attorneys. And so um, with that, I was able to come back and um, ultimately get a clerkship, which Justice Thompson is so right on the nose there about, you know, it just has really helped to build my confidence and really given me such a fundamental set of skills to, you know, when I'm ready to go forward and practice law, um, to feel equipped to do that. You know, we really grapple with the hard questions and issues of law here. And um, without the mentorship of the judges that I've been fortunate to work for, um, I wouldn't be able to leave feeling so confident in the work that I'm doing and the things that I'm learning while I'm here. So Allison, let me ask you, since you took a different path and you could have taken a path or you still could take a path to the judiciary, <laughs> if we can convince you to do it. But um, if you're a student out there and you're saying, look, it's not, I don't want to be in the judiciary. Well, why would I, for professional development only, why would I want to either uh, have an opportunity to be an extern or to be a law clerk? What, what would you tell them? So I, I do a lot of, through the Young Lawyers Division, I do a lot of uh, mentorship to, to law students. And something I usually tell law students is almost any any opportunity you take during law school is going to be positive and, and beneficial. And so it's you should open yourself up, up to that. Working, clerking or externing at the judiciary, I think, is even 
better should be on the top of that list just because um, you're exposed to a lot of different areas of law because you're reading and writing on these different cases. Um, and you're definitely honing your skills for any area of law you end up going into, kind of what Rosanna was saying. But I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, New Mexico, we're so small and relationships matter so much. Um, having that relationship with a judge or a justice where even after this experience, you can say, hey, I'm thinking about applying for this job or going to this firm. Do you know anything about that? Um, I think for me personally, that's really been helpful, just having someone who's been through, <laughs> been through, you know, 30, 35 years of a practice and then now um, serving as a judge or a justice to, to be able to have that perspective and, and that guidance. And like I said, just the general experience of it is, is a positive one and students should be open to it even if they think they haven't done law, haven't done law review or haven't clerked here or done this, um, I think it's a, it's a great experience. And a judicial or post-graduation judicial clerkships, kind of in a way, an extension of law school that just gives you a little bit more time to perfect your skills. And for me, in practice, I do a lot of writing and having that experience and knowing how to do great citations that's that's really been a benefit to me so i think we're, we're pretty close to wrapping up but i just wanted to give a little bit of information about the state bars judicial clerkship program um, so as justice thompson said we're um, in 2021 that summer will be our first cycle and we have six students that will be participating. We're hoping more students will participate and we're seeking to, to raise a bit more money to pay for their, their summer stipends. So if you're interested in checking out information about the program, you can go to the State Bar's website at nmbar.org slash judicial clerkships. And if you want to donate to the program, you can contact the State Bars Foundation to find out how to do that and support the program. So with that, I want to thank Justice Thompson and Rosanna for participating. Do either of you have any last words you want to share with our listeners? Rosanna, you start, I'll defer to you and then I'll go ahead. Thanks, Justice. Well, I just really want to thank both of you for this opportunity. Um, again, I'm really proud to see what New Mexico is doing. It's a really great chance to um, create that pipeline to get more diversity in the judiciary. Um, so thank you. Thank you both very much. Um, I just, I, I wanna reiterate uh, that I think this panel and, and follow-up podcasts are uh, I think, proof of what we were working on for the last year. I mean, I, I just don't think it's an unanswered question about the effectiveness of something like this. So if you are a law student that is interested, please contact the State Bar. And it doesn't have, if you're listening uh, through the ABA, um, uh, it does not, it's not New Mexico centered. Uh, it's to expand opportunity. If it's your alma mater and you look at your alma mater, you say, oh, my alma mater does not do enough 
to create diversity and expand opportunity. Make them do it. Tell them this is something that happens in New Mexico. I want your students applying. If you're a judge or justice in another state and you're listening to this podcast, contact the state bar. We will share the information we have with you to create a similar program. Um, I cannot stress enough uh, the appreciation of the work of Allison and her group, um, the YLD, the Diversity Committee, and the State Bar in general uh, to execute on a program that um, uh, was not easy to do, but is very important. And so thank you and uh, everybody be safe. Thank you for listening. This episode was produced by the State Bar of New Mexico's Member Services Department and Young Lawyers Division. All editing and sound mixing was done by Blue Sky eLearn. Intro music is by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech. The views of the presenters are that of their own and not endorsed by the State Bar of New Mexico. Nothing said in this podcast was legal advice for you.